Well, last week, as I started this study on Joshua, I talked to you about Joshua the leader, Joshua the slave, Joshua the soldier, the servant, the spy, and the successor. Now, tonight, I'm going to talk to you about Joshua in a new land. You see, there was a new land that they were going into, and it's that promised land. Now, listen to this, that the word land was used 87 times in the book of Joshua. 87 times. And it was there because in the book of Joshua, when they went into that new land, entering it, conquering it, claiming that promised land for the Lord. Now, God also promised that land to Abraham. Six times he spoke to Abraham in the book of Genesis. And he reaffirmed that to Isaac in Genesis one time, to Jacob three times, to the descendants one time. In Exodus, he, he spoke that um, affirmation of that promise of that new lamb 11 times in the book of Exodus. In Leviticus, he spoke of it six times. In Numbers, 10 times. You see, when you add that up, that is 39 times he reaffirmed in those books of the Bible, the word of God is speaking to him about this promised land in which they entered into. In Joshua, he spoke of that land 87 times. If my math is correct, you put all that together, that is 126 times he spoke about that promised land, that new land, that land in which they were possessed. I don't know about you, but I could almost hear my mother saying to me when I was a child, saying, Tom, if I told you once, I've told you a hundred times. Well, I want you to know that God is speaking to us in his word 126 times. I have the feeling that he wants us to understand the importance of the Israelites going into that promised land. That Moses' farewell, he spoke of that. That word land is found nearly 200 times in Deuteronomy. And that word possess is 50 times. Now, when I say all that, I just have the feeling that God is saying, do you get my point? Do you hear what I'm, I'm saying? That that land is spoken to, and, and when they entered into it, God, and they were faithful to that word, God blessed them. Were they, when they went into it and they were not faithful, well, God didn't bless them. You see, I see that for what God is doing. He called the promised land a good land. Wow. Also, when he spoke of Egypt, he talked about the barrenness of Egypt. We're talking two different sides of the spectrum. It was Israel's place to rest in their inheritance in which God spoke. And when he took them out of that slavery, when they went through that messy journey in the wilderness, he wanted them to go into this land to rest. I'm going to talk to you about that just for a moment. 
Because the concept of rest we see again in Psalms 95, 11, and in Hebrews, the fourth chapter. It's talking about the victorious life of a believer. If I was a traveling agent or an agent for travelers, and, and, and I wanted to tell someone, here's a great place to go visit. Here's what I would do. I would use the prophet Isaiah who called the land of Israel the glory of all lands. Now, the NIV translates it this way, the most beautiful land in all the lands. Wow. Daniel, he called it the, uh, the pleasant land, the glorious land. Others describe it as a land of the flowing of milk and honey. And then we see that what that actually means is the land of plenty. When I hear that, I'm saying, you know, sign me up. I want to go. Hallelujah. I want to be there. But I'm going to talk to you just for a moment about the importance of that land. Because the prophet Ezekiel, he said that Jerusalem was in the center of the nation in the NIV. He said this in Ezekiel 5, 5. Now, in the New American Standard Bible, here's what it says, is that Israel was the center of the world. Now, the Hebrew word translation, center, it means navel. <laughs> Which suggests that it's the lifeline to the world, the salvation of the Jews. Anybody getting the picture here? How important this journey was? And, and I'm saying all this because I, as I give you this introduction of what we're going to be getting into is what it means how God has prepared the Israelites in relating to us and where we are and what he wants for our life. It's absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. You see, God chose the land of Israel to be the stage in which the great drama of the redemption of mankind will be played out. See, what he was doing is that the, um, uh, the whole thing started with the redemption of a man proclaiming Jesus as Savior in Genesis 3.15 is that that very first step for fulfilling that redemption of mankind, was the call of Abraham to go to that land. Beginning in Genesis 12, the Old Testament records the focus of that land for the Jews. God announced that redeeming work from the tribes of Judah to the family of David. He was born of a virgin in Bethlehem and Isaiah and in Micah, and one day would die on a cross for the sins of the world in Isaiah 53 and Psalms 22. Now, why am I giving you all this data, which you already forgot most of that? But understanding is that he is affirming. I like it. Mario has it written down already. 
and is affirming and affirming that word is in that place, that land of Israel, that land where Joshua was called to conquer and proclaim is where the drama of redemption for you and I was beginning. Here's, I talked to you last week about the new beginnings. I, I, I talked to you about the importance of a new land. He's reminding us Hundreds of times, the importance of this land. Let me talk to you just a moment about a new life. Because that new life that he has for us is so vitally important. As he gave to the Israelites, and he's giving to us. And I want you to know, church, if there is ever a season in which we are living in, we need the newness of life in which Christ has for us. It is exhausting, isn't it, living in our world today? Um, I'm, at, I'm at the point that, that I disdain watching the news. Because the only thing I hear... Now, I watch it because I need to understand what's happening. I watch it, I want to know what's going on with the COVID and understanding that there was a time in Arizona very recently that we were the highest rate of COVID, not in, in the United States, in the world. It's staggering. And, and when I hear all that, I feel that responsibility of making sure I keep my church safe. But at the same time, you get bombarded with, with the worst of the worst of everything, of dealing with the pandemic, dealing with politics, dealing with death, dealing with, with, with companies going out of business, people financially strapped. It is exhausting. That's why I am so encouraged by his word, because in his word, is that authority in my life. Not the circumstances of things happening around me is the authority in my life. It is his word. What does his word have to say to us today? I see that in a book uh, recorded of Joshua, that that life of God's people is so powerful when they were coming out of the wilderness. The book of Joshua records battles, defeats, sin, failures, none of which was taking place in heaven, but here on earth, in our willingness. The book of Joshua illustrates how believers today can say goodbye to that old life and enter into that rich inheritance of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. uh, I could hear the stadium filled with, with, with the fans, and they're saying, na, 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 hey, 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 goodbye, you know. Yeah, yeah would it would be something is that in, in the rapture, the whole body of Christ rising up, ah, na, 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 hey, goodbye, you know. Well, I can remember my sister had a dream years ago that the Lord came and, and that 
she was coming out through the roof of her house. And her neighbor was a believer as well. And she looked over at her neighbor and said, can you please, this is happening. Can you believe this is happening in the twinkling of an eye? But here's what I do know. That I believe also, though, before that happens, there's going to be such a great move of God, a latter rain. And I am so hungry to see something like that happen and to be a part of that. And here's, here's what ex really excites me, because I really believe that has God's favor has been on this church financially, and has God's favor has been on this church in the lives of every individual, in his provisions in our lives. He is saying, even in the worst of times, you grew more than you've ever grown in years. I believe the body of Christ in 2020 has matured in their walk and their relationship with Jesus Christ. See, it explains how we can meet our enemies and defeat them, and how we can claim for ourselves all that we have in Christ Jesus. See, Paul, when he wrote in the um, Ephesians, he explains the doctrinal role of what God is doing. In the book of Joshua, he illustrates the practicality of it all. It shows us how we could claim our riches in Christ. You ready to do that? It also shows us how we could claim our rest in Christ. And if there's ever a season in which we need to take a nice deep breath, it's today. This is one of the major themes in the book of Hebrews and explains in chapters 3 and 4 of that epistle. In those chapters, we find four different areas of rest which he's given to us. In Hebrews 4, 4, and in Genesis 2, 2. Don't you love how the word of God defines and defends itself through the word of God? The first Sabbath rest is God's Sabbath, the rest after creating the world. The second is the salvation rest that we have in Christ. It speaks of in um, Hebrews, the fourth chapter, in Matthew, the 11th chapter. Then there is the believer's eternal rest in heaven in Hebrews 4.11. And then there is that rest that God gave Israel after their conquest of Canaan. And, and listen, church, is that this is not just a history book. This is a book of what God was doing in the worst of times in people's lives. And he is saying, I can do it again. God's promises to Moses was, my presence will be with you and I will give you rest. In Exodus 33, verse 14. I want you to know, family of God, he is with you. And you may feel exhausted about our broken world in which we are living in. But he will give you rest because he is with you. 
Look at the person around you or besides that. He's with you. You see, the Jews certainly had no rest in Egypt or during their wilderness journey, but in that promised land, God gave them rest. And his farewell message to the people, Moses said, for as yet you have not come to the rest and the inheritance which the Lord your God is giving you. I love that. Is giving you. It's, it's, it's like, you know, when, when, when a child wants something and not to eat or something or some snacks or candy or, oh, I'm talking about myself. I'm sorry. I know. Is, 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 is you hold out your hand and says, please, 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 please. Well, I, I want you to know, God says, it's coming. It's, it's coming. Listen to this. The Canaan rest is a picture of the rest that the Christian believers experience when they yield their all to Christ and claim their inheritance by faith. I, I love how, how God teaches us in his word, even in the geographical lands in which we're looking at here, is that four geographical locations seen in the history of, Il of Israel illustrates four spiritual experiences. First, Egypt was a place of death and bondage for which Israelites were delivered from. They were delivered from that death by the blood of the lamb, you know, on the doorpost. Not only the gates were opened that they had left um, Egypt, but the waters were opened as they crossed through the Red Sea. And the salvation we have through faith in Christ Jesus in John 1.29 says, the Lord, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. <laughs> that lamb, that blood lamb, was on that doorpost to keep them safe. And the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world is that life, death, resurrection Jesus Christ that was given to us. See, in, in the wilderness, they, they experienced the, 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 um, the sorrow and the drudgery of, of day after day being in that desert land. Why? Because of their unbelief and disobedience. They didn't enter into that rest and riches that they heard just because they didn't know, well, maybe it was there, or they refused, well, to enter into it, into that promised land. Like Israel, they come to the Christ's place of um, uh, uh, Kadesh and Barnea, and they refused to obey God to claim that land. And for the next 40 years, they wandered in the desert. See, Israel's marching through to get to that land, but they took a long journey around. Sometimes we think that, that you know, we're on this long desert journey in which we're in. 
year 2020 felt like it was year 20, 20 years, 20. It felt wrong. Every day we, we endured and, and come through it. But God was faithful. Canaan represents the Christian life as it ought to be. The conflict of victory, faith and obedience, spiritual riches and rest. It is a life trusting Jesus Christ, our Joshua, the captain of our salvation, as Hebrews 2, 4 says, to lead us in the victory to victory, as in 1 John, the fifth chapter, speaks into our lives. When Israel was in Egypt, the enemy was around them. When they crossed the Red Sea, the enemy was behind them. And when the nation crossed the Jordan River, they saw the new enemies before them. And they conquered those enemies by faith. Now, the victorious Christian life isn't a once-for-all triumph that ends all of our problems. I, I'm, I'm intrigued that when someone is learning how to lead someone to the Lord, and they say, now, now when you pray with them, tell them when they accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, everything is going to be wonderful. Anybody experience that? Uh, well, I experienced the wonders of God in that new transform, transformation. But there were a lot of battles a lot of enemies that needed to be conquered along the way. See, the picture of Israel in the book of Joshua, the victorious Christian life, is a series of conflicts and victories as we defeat one enemy after another. But listen to me. As we defeat one enemy after another, Sometimes we feel that uh, through the exhaustion of all that we're going through, we're saying, I just don't need something else. <laughs> and something else comes. But God is big enough to defeat that something else. A Scottish preacher, Alexander Wyatt, used this saying of the victorious Christian life was a series of new beginnings. <laughs> Kind of like that. A series of new beginnings. According to Joshua eleven twenty three, the whole land was taken, he said. But something interesting is that you go a little further in Joshua 13, 1, and it says there remains very much land to be possessed. Was it taken or not taken? Is there a contradiction in the word there? Well, not really at all. Because, see, there was that declaration of that basic spiritual truth. In Christ, we have all that we need for that victorious Christian life. All we have to do is possess it, occupy it, take it, live it. Declare it. Joshua's question to his people is a good question to ask the church today. I ask you this. How long will you wait before you begin to take possession of the land that the Lord has given to you? 
How many of you sense that God has given you promises? And you write that down. Maybe sometime this week, write down some of those promises that God has given to you. Support them within the word of God. And if that promise isn't there yet, ask yourself, why not? Why haven't I received it? Or why haven't I possessed it and conquered it? See, that fourth geographical location of Israel is that spiritual map. It's Babylon when the nation endured 70 years of captivity. Because they disobeyed God and worshipped the idols of the pagan nations all around them, when God's children are willfully, well, rebellious, I, I always felt the, the worst thing that God could ever do to us is to leave us unto our own making. We're not good at that. Because anything left unto itself dies. But here's what I know is that God has something for us to possess. The leading person in the book of Joshua is not Joshua. The Lord Jehovah, the God of Joshua and of Israel, is the leading person in this book. And we see as how Joshua followed the leading of God in his life. We've seen some great victories in which he is possessed. When he crossed that Jordan River, Joshua remained faithful in declaring the faithfulness of God all the way through. In his farewell address in chapters 23 and 24, he gives God all the glory. At least 14 times in this book, God is called the Lord God of Israel. Everything that Israel did brought either glory or disgrace to the name of God. When they were disobedient, they paid. When they obeyed, God blessed. You see, that same spiritual principle applies to us as a family of God. Maybe through this time of 2020 entering into 2021, him talking to us about this is a time that the church wakes up. Maybe I want to make it a little more personal. This is a time that I wake up. I want to hear a word of the Lord of what he is saying to us as an individual and as to the body of Christ. And as you look at the life and the life of our church, do you see yourself and your fellow believers wandering in the desert or are you conquering the promises that God has given to you? In the wilderness, the Jews were complaining people. But in Canaan, they were conquering people. <laughs> Do we have anything to complain about? <laughs> well, let me, well it's, you know, we could be here a while, couldn't we? Or we could be, begin to declare God's faithfulness, what he's done in the past, what he's doing today, and what he's going to be doing tomorrow is that we need to be that conquering people. 
We, we have heard, oh, have we heard the power of words these days, haven't we? Well, I want to tell you something, is that I love that song that I am healed. I am a believer. I am saved. You know, church, we need to know that we are more than conquerors. We are the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus, the righteousness of God. We are victorious. We are overcomers. Why? Because he is the great I am. And I love understanding that because with him being the great I am, when I look at the needs of my life, is that he is what I need him to be. He is what you need him to be in your life. What is it that you need him to be? Write that down, and then you go to his word that has that authority of that word in our lives and say, what are you there? Do you need to be my rest? He's going to tell me that he can be. If you need to be my strength, he's going to tell me in the word that is my strength. If he's going to be my comforter, he's going to tell me through that word that he is my comforter. Yes, I need people around me speaking that life into my life, but I need to be responsible in my own walk in Christ as well, is that what does God's word say to me? You see, church, is that in that promised land, they look forward to conquering the enemy and claiming their rest and their riches. In the wilderness, they, their march experienced the delay, the defeat, and in death. But in their experience in Canaan was one of life, power, and victory. Here's a question that I have for you. This evening. And that question is this. Where are you on your spiritual journey? Are you walking and living in the wilderness? Or are you walking and living in that Canaan land? You see, in the wilderness or in Canaan where life is. This is why this study of Joshua is so vitally important as we begin this 2021. It is truly a study of new beginnings. It's not a study of a new political government. It's not a study of a new disease-free land, but it is a study of a believer's victorious life. And as they face one enemy after another in that promised land, God gave them the victory again and again and again and again. Here's, here's what begins to happen when we're walking in faith and that type of life is that as we face one enemy, we may take a sigh, not another one. But then I remember, well, you were victorious last week, 
last month, last year. Lord, you could do it again. And I love the idea of knowing that, God, I want to see what you could do in this new season. I especially can't wait to see how you do it. Because it's not like the stars is lining up right. It's not like the horoscope is saying everything's going to be happy tomorrow. It's not like everything is coming together when it seems like everything is falling apart. But I kind of think is that when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went into that fiery furnace, at first, I'm telling you, because that heat was seven times harder. The people who threw them in died. I think, here we go, and they're pushed, kind of pushed into it. Then you go, huh. Then, then they're wondering what just happened. They're scratching their head and thinking, wait a minute, I thought I was bound. Could burn the, the rope right off, but not burning them. And then they begin to see each other there and wondering, What's going on here? And then they think, there was, wasn't there three of us, but there is a fourth person here. I want you to know, church, is that they would have never dreamt that they would have such a victory in the fire. I want you to know that as we walk into that promised land, as we proclaim his victories in our life, we will face battles. There will be that enemy that will be before us. But I want you to understand is that he's the same today as yesterday and forever. He is with us. He tells us that he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. So I begin to look around me and wondering in the heat of this broken, chaotic world, how are you going to work this out? And he says, watch me. And the beauty of it is then, let me use you in it. Me. Me. When Moses says, I'm the least person. I can't speak for you. I stutter. And yet he was one of the greatest statesmen of all time within God's word. Church, God has something for us in 2020. I can't wait to get into this study. Next week, Pastor James is going to be sharing with you and starting with Joshua 1. Why don't you read it this week? See what God says to you in that. See how he begins to reveal his truths to you. Because we're going to take each chapter and we're going to see how the Israelites were able to conquer that land, face their enemies, defeat them, and continue their march to that inheritance in which God has. We have that for us today. It could be... Well, whatever he wants it to be, but it's going to be glorious. Would you stand with me, please? Mm. What a wonderful season he has for us. What a wonderful time that he wants to do 
something unusual. This is what I love about, well, I loved about 2020. I saw God moving in people's lives and his provisions in the most unusual ways. Well, get ready. 2020, we're entering in to that land and we're claiming that inheritance that he has for us.